Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, 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 and welcome to The Lemon Show, the show what millennials are talking about. My name is Tom Tan. And I'm Philip Cooch. And today we have a very special guest, my best friend from university, actually, Mel Hua. Hello. Welcome. <laughs> and coming up today on the show, a Taiwanese singer has quickly removed photos of him blackfacing in a Will Smith costume. And the Chinese media is calling it innovative. And how do you deal with the pressure of settling down before you turn 30? Emma Watson says, just be yourself like self-partnered. But first, how were your weeks? Oh, I had a very interesting week. So last week was Halloween. Mm. So um, I went to a Halloween party and as always, I didn't prepare anything. So what I learned was to never dress up as a Wes Wally because it's the most <laughs> stupid outfit ever. Why? What happened? So I bought it because it was super cheap. Like, it was the cheapest outfit they could buy at the costume shop. I bought it and then the whole night, people were just coming up to me saying, oh, found you, Wally. Found you. Mm, and it yo, just yo. got a bit unoriginal. I was a bit bored of the joke. Mm. Um, but yeah, I did go to a club afterwards and a lot of people coming up to me asking to take photos, which was pretty weird. Was <laughs> but just, they found you. They found, <laughs> yeah, exactly, because they found me. Um, and then, yeah, and then I did run to a little bit of a hiccup with um, the bounce at the club as Ooh. well. So um, I went to, we literally got to the club and went to line up. And then as soon as I got into the line, the bouncer was like stared dead at me in the eye. He was like, you get out of get out of the line. He really struggled with the books when he was younger. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I thought he was just joking, right? So then I was just standing there. I'm like, oh no, you can't find me. Just making like a joke, right? And then, yeah, he pulled me by the neck and was like, you get out of the <gasps> line. And I was like, why? What's wrong? And then he was like, um, you just vomited like in the hall just then why are you back in line and then we had to tell uh, him that it wasn't me it was just a very popular Halloween outfit um, but yeah he apologised I got back in oh, how, was wow. your, how was your week? oh my week was just you're visiting strange. from Sydney I am visiting you from Sydney you just moved there recently so Monday to Thursday was very normal and what do you do as a daytime oh. job? What do I do? I look at teeth all day. <laughs> I spend 12 hours a day looking at teeth. And here you are doing a podcast. And here I am doing a podcast. <laughs> Side hustle. <laughs> well, a lot of people don't know that me and Melissa, we've been best friends since uni days. So we met each other in, you know, boring old lectures. And then suddenly we became very close. And now we can't get rid of each other. We're well, pretty much inseparable. You guys, all you guys do is just text each other all day. Like. <laughs> all day. And you guys have this thing on your group chat. Like, it's not a group chat, but like it's a chat between you guys. Mm. But the title of the chat is what? $500? <laughs> oh, yeah. Ex- explain that. What is what is it? Well, as a lot of people who do know about me, I like to make a lot of bets. And I'm and Melissa just gives in to bets. <laughs> <laughs> so $500 is actually a bet between me and Melissa because I made a what bet with it? her <laughs> that she will end up marrying a guy. And if she does... She owes me $500. But she's going to get married eventually, isn't she not? And then it's a, a particular person. Oh. Who am yeah. I marrying? It starts with V. Oh. <laughs> I oh. think I've, I've lost that bet. I already oh, lost I think that he's bet. lost that bet. Like, <laughs> ship sailed there. The thing, is, the thing is, Thomas is, he always makes bets that he knows that he can win. Yes. He doesn't make a bet that he's going to so lose. So he was so confident about this situation. Confident, yeah. <laughs> oh. 
Well, so you got, you how's guys, your week, Tom? As you guys can tell about my voice, I'm quite congested because, you know, I think I got sick, but I think I got sick from Phil. Oh, no. Because we hang out so much because we're doing so much podcasting and I felt a bit of a tickle in my throat and here I am coughing out really ugly. Me too. Phlegm. <laughs> I'm super sick too. It's safe, <laughs> I And we're in an insulated, non-air-weighted room, so I think Melissa's kind of screwed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, no patience for me next week. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Should talk about Shawn Mendes, how we saw him last oh, week. Oh, yeah. So a lot of you guys don't know that we actually had a running with Shawn Mendes, so the building that we're supposed to go to which is the building that we're in now the commons which I when we drove very close to we actually saw a guy who looks very similar to Monsieur Mendes I was like, oh my gosh that is Shawn Mendes and then we were a bit confused at the time because we were driving pretty fast I thought you were joking you did say I was joking but yeah. he does look like your average normal guy from Brunswick <laughs> and we did a whole block around the um Collingwood and more like like fa- like Fast and Furious, like trying to get we back were. to there because we because he's in town for like he was in town for his concert, right? So we drove back around and then we got up close to him again. Tom was recording an Instagram story to get it like proof, right? Got up to there and then what did you do? You deleted the p- I deleted <laughs> the video because I was in shock when we drove past. He kind of glanced at me and I was oh my gosh, I got caught. So I quickly deleted the video. I don't know why I did that, but then we stopped somewhere which was really close by. And then I jumped out of the car and I pretty much sprinted to where Shawn Mendes was. And then I went up to him and I was just playing <laughs> to Melissa just what happened outside just now. And I went up to him and I was like, excuse me, are you Shawn Mendes? And he looked at me, he got up and he walked away. How do you know it was actually him though? Because it's Shawn Mendes. <laughs> but wasn't it, there was two, two other guys with him, right? There was actually two other guys like, with him. There was him. one really, really like big black guy. But he walked out of the gym and I was like to him, is that Shawn Mendes? Like, I think it's Shawn Mendes. He's like, nah, bro, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. And then he walked to where Shawn Mendes was and I started having conversation. That's when it clicked. Ah, shit, that's so his he walked bouncer. Aw- he walked away after you he tapped him on the aw- shoulder. I didn't tap him on the shoulder. I didn't even get close oh. to him because I know that I wanted to make sure like my space was like two meters away from him. I wanted to make sure that I wasn't in his personal space. So I pretty much just went close to him, but not too close. And that's when I said, excuse me, are you Shawn Mendes? And that's when he got up and he left. And I was a little bit bummed. Mm. That's sad. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he kind of had PTSD from Shawn Mendes I did. as well. So he, did, he didn't want to listen to Shawn Mendes songs. No, Shawn Mendes in the car, nothing to do with Shawn Mendes. And the thing that pissed me off even more was that <laughs> when we got into the car and I searched out Shawn Mendes on Twitter, we saw him take a photo with another guy. Mm. Look, oh. he just wanted some privacy. Like, I, he's probably, his only opportunity to like sit down and just people watch. I guess so. And I just wanted a bit of human interaction. But I guess we can't all win. Origami, mate. So there's actually a video that emerged recently that's actually going viral right now. And it is to do with a meal delivery company called YouFoods. And it's quite big in Australia. And the founders of YouFoods and his fiance is actually caught mocking Asian people. Mm, they're making like weird sounds like, what was it? Shishing. Shishing. Origami, mate. <laughs> <laughs> So in this video first obtained by the Korean Mail, a woman can be heard impersonating, you know, Asian kind of like mocking our accents. And she zooms into people kind of swimming, like the aunties nearby swing girl, trying to like mock, you know, our language, our dialect. And then another video also at a restaurant mocking people watching videos of origami. And these were done by Jordana Stotts and the fiancé Yufu's founder, CEO Lance Giles. Giles has actually apologised for the incident, while Woolworths right now is actually looking into the stock of the products and is actually launching an internal v- investigation. Well, I first of all, I've been using U Foods for a long time. Like mm. I don't have, I don't haven't used them recently, but I've used to use it 
religiously back in the past, back before they became mainstream. Yeah, it's and so good. Can I just? <laughs> it is good. I mean, like they make I some really good it, food. Um, so when I first heard about this, I think initially when I heard about it, I was just like, oh, okay, like all right. But then the more we talked about it. The more I realized, like, wait, these guys are like profiting off Asian food, Asian culture. Like, a lot of their meals are, are actually Asian. Is so, it? Yeah, Asian like they have like yeah, they have oh. like um, they have curries, they have like um, stir fry, stir fry, mm. they have like wok noodles and stuff like that, yeah. like, which are really good, like pretty good for meal prepping. Yeah, but the thing is, like, these guys are like a two hundred fifty million dollar company, and they profit off Asian culture. And for their CEO to come out and mock Asian people, I just it just made me so furious. Mm. Tom, you were furious as well. When this first video blew up, to be honest, I just didn't realise why weren't a lot of Western media picking it up. Because mm. when I searched for it, only three major news outlets, like the Quarry Mail, mm, Channel, Channel 7 and Channel 9, yep. only picked it up. And this wasn't bigger as it should be. That's when I posted on my Instagram because I was furious about it and I tagged you foods. And that's when a lot of my Asian friends started realising, oh my gosh, what is this company actually doing? This is actually really bad. Mm. And usually when I'm in this situation yet, yeah, if people are mocking us, if it's usually time I just kind of let it go. I'll let it sweep around the rug. But this, I don't know why this time I got quite... I think because you realise not a lot of people were covering it. A lot of not mainstream. And you know what's why? You know why? It's because Asian people are always brushed under the rug. Yes. In the level of importance, we're not we're not at the top there. We're at the very bottom. Mm. So whenever anything happens to Asian people, crimes against Asian people especially are like severely underreported. Really? If, yeah. It's actually mm. a fact. So it's actually really sad that you know, these things happen and no one talks about it. But yeah, Mel, what do you? What are your opinions on it? Because okay. you weren't offended about it. Well, Phil only showed me the video right before Recorded, this, yeah. about an hour ago. <laughs> and no, initially I wasn't extremely shocked or didn't feel, I, offended, I guess, yeah. offended. Um, not that I support what happened, but I think this isn't the first time I've heard something like this. Right. This isn't the first time anyone's mocked another culture or even another race or another gender or another... Just anything, right? Yeah. So, and a lot of us have been, in fact, all of us, I'm pretty sure, have been guilty of doing something like this on some sort of scale. But do you think it's hitting you guys harder because he is in a position of power? Yeah, for sure. He's, he's the CEO of a $250 million company. He probably employs a lot of Asian people in his company. It's mm. a big company. It's not a small company. When there were also a lot of articles online that I read that the people that he employed, he was actually paying them short shortchanging yeah, them as well. I think so. And he also owed a lot of people money from like supply, like chicken breasts. Yeah. Mm. To me, I think it hits a lot more closer to home because I think the, the if you if this happened a couple of years ago, I would actually be like, I shrug it off, be like, no, I don't really, that doesn't really bother you too much. Who cares? She's Xing. <laughs> but I think the older I get, the more understanding I have towards cultural awareness. Mm. I think it's an identity thing. We're becoming more aware with our, our, our mm. identity. Because our parents, right, they copped a lot of shit from people who lived in Western countries. Like, for them to go through what they... Even when we talked to Samantha Jade, her dad's Anglo-Indian, he went through so much shit. Our parents went through so much shit. And when we were younger, we didn't understand it because we grew up in a Western country. We wanted to always be timid. Oh, yes, 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 auntie. Okay, yes, yes. You can do whatever, say whatever you want. I don't really care. Call me names. But the, I think the older that we get... and and the more that we realize that people are in position of power, exactly what you said, because mm. he's making millions and millions of, of dollars off our culture, off, you know, just us buying their foods, we're supporting their business, and them to go and say these things about their loyal customers, it just hits close to home to me. Yeah, it's just like, 
you know, like, why is he mocking his customers? Because a lot of people I know who are Asian buy you foods. Yeah. I, I recommended you food so many times to so many different people. Yeah. And like, now I feel like I can't recommend it anymore because, like, he's mocking me. Like, he's mocking my people. You know, like, I'm not, I'm not about the cancel culture, but mm. it's just like, I don't want to spend my money with this company if they're going to be mocking my people. Yeah. And Mel, but the thing is, like, I think the reason why you're not as offended is because growing up, we all can agree, like, we, we experience casual racism all the time. Yeah. People yelling dim sim at us and, like, mm. ching chong and stuff <laughs> like that. Yeah. Like, we've experienced that a lot yeah. growing up, you know. So maybe we're just desensitized to it. Because initially when I first heard about it, mm. I wasn't offended. Yeah. But the more I thought about it, I'm like, hold on, why am I not offended? Yeah. And I was like, oh, it's because I'm so desensitized to it. And mm-hmm. I should be outraged about this because, we, you know, we talked about Black Twitter before. They're outraged. They get outraged about things when things happen to them. Absolutely. And we need to do the same because if we don't step up for ourselves, like, we're not going to Where do we draw change. that line? Yeah. yeah we're not going to see the change that we want people to do. We don't, want, we don't want our kids to grow up and experience racism. So mm-hmm. if we don't do anything, then yeah. Yeah. But do you think racism will ever disappear? I think people can be definitely more aware of it and that they can be more conscious about what they say and what they do. Yeah. Um, and do you think he said this, or sorry, she said this, it was her, his yeah, fiancé, she, yeah. um, she said this out of ignorance? For sure. She's, yeah. she's very ignorant. And the thing is, she probably weren't like... She wasn't aware. She probably wasn't aware that it's, it's racist. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's very derogatory to like mock someone's language and mock someone's culture. Absolutely. I reckon though... A lot of people are saying that she should be at fault more than her fiancé, but racism is taught, you know, and racism can be enabled. And I reckon in this situation, let's say hypothetically that, you know, the fiancé is copping up so much because her girlfriend said it, she hasn't taken, she might not own any stocks in the business, but yet the business is taken down for. If you're dating someone for that long and you know them on such a personal level and she's publicly posting stuff like this, imagine the stuff that actually goes on in their private life, that there could, there could be so much more that is said, so much more done which mm. we should we should definitely clear up like she doesn't work for the company correct she was the one who posted the, the videos and pictures but he was also a man was also hurt in the background which yes. people are assuming it was him yeah and he was making the same you know same comments like shishing mm. what does shishing even mean i don't know, I don't know. I, I bet, sure. their, <laughs> their attempt at mandarin yeah. but yeah i definitely think you know as asian people we need to be i think asian people don't get offended by racism racist comments anymore. Just sort of like growing up and dealing with bullying, for example, I was always taught, like, I mean, kids are taught now to stand up for themselves, but I think it was don't, you know, give in or don't give them more power by reacting to the situation. And I think my initial reaction to this was, okay, they're not educated enough or they're ignorant about the situation and they aren't culturally aware enough to understand that this or what they're saying is hurtful and beyond the entertainment that they had within that 10 seconds that they were having a laugh about. So I think we just, I agree we shouldn't support it, but I don't think I need to invest the energy in being upset about it. Are you going to continue buying you foods? (laughs) I haven't bought you foods in a long time. (laughs) (laughs) I've I've been cooking more, but I definitely, I think as of today. I don't support that. I don't think I would feel comfortable recommending mm. them. And I'm not I'm not trying to cancel them or anything. It's just yeah. I don't feel comfortable recommending something that now that I know that you know they are making these comments.
So the next segment, we're going to turn the topic back towards Asian people because I think as Asian people, Asian people are also racist. People don't realize that Asian people are so (laughs) racist. But anyway, so over the weekend, as we mentioned earlier, it was Halloween. So a lot of celebrities and stuff were getting the spirit of Halloween. Um, But yeah, so there was a Taiwanese singer named, uh, I'm going to butcher his name. Was it Jams? Jam Xiao. Jam Xiao, who's a Taiwanese singer. But anyway, so over the weekend, he dressed up as Will Smith and... As a result, he had the afro, and he also was it afro, an afro, yeah, an afro, and then he also had black face paint on it, which is problematic, of course. So he posted those pictures on Instagram, and a lot of other celebrities posted, including Jay Chow, who is like a mega pop star mm, in Asian king in of Asian pop world. He China. is a king of pop, yeah. He posted the same photos. A lot of his friends posted the photos, but then they quickly deleted the photos a few hours afterwards because probably someone told them that it was offensive. They all all the celebrities deleted the photos, and then. Yeah, and no one's no one's talked about the blackface problem, and the Chinese media have said that it was innovative, <laughs> which is funny. I don't know how that was innovative, um, but anyway, so hasn't been done before. <laughs> hasn't been done before. But China has always had a history with blackface. I don't know if you guys heard, but last year they had a TV show um, for some festival. It was a really big t- reality TV show where. Um, they got one of the actresses to blackface and pretend to be an African woman. Really? Yeah. And then the Chinese media saw no, no issue with that. But wow. obviously the Western media picked up on it and said that's not right. But they didn't apologize for it. And then they're just like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Mm. Well, okay. The blackface thing in Hollywood is such an issue because of the history there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? But is there the same history in China? There isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just the whole thing. The reason why people get offended about blackfacing is because of the history, right? Like you said, yeah. the history. And the history is back in the earlier days, um, black people weren't allowed to be on TV or in movies. Mm-hmm. So they used to get white actors to play black people, Asian people, other races, mm-hmm. and they'll paint on blackface. Mm-hmm. And so when they painted these blackfaces on, they were playing, portraying themselves as African-American, right? And they would mock them and just play the most outrageous, stereotypical things that they could do. They would be, out, like, paint their... Like, make their ears bigger and stuff like that. And their just lips bigger. Lips bigger, red, yeah. yeah. And just, like, pretty much just mock black people and Asian people. Yeah. And so this is... Whenever someone paints their face black, like, black, right? It's just a reminder of that time, to, you know, of what happened. And I'm yeah. sure there's other reasons why that's offensive, but... And even when it comes to not even just painting a face, I think even Katy Perry had a whole shoe line. Anything that resembles black facing, she had to take down part of her shoes because yeah. it looked like what... Like, it was a sense, It's a sensitive topic. Exactly. And in China, I think this is tough because I think it comes down to ignorance. They didn't understand the history behind it. And they probably thought who... Jam Xiao probably thought... I'm not defending him, but while, what probably was going through his mind was that he saw Will Smith as his character. He even tagged Will Smith, by the way. On his <laughs> he actually did tag Will Smith. He, he saw it as a character. I'm not sure. Was his outfit... Because he, he was wearing like an orange kind of vest jacket, right? Yeah. Was he playing a Will Smith character or was he dressing up as Will Smith? As a Will Smith character. Right. Yeah. So maybe that's it. They didn't really know how to draw the fine line between the history of blackfacing and also impersonating as somebody from a television show. Do you think, because when I was researching this article, right, there wasn't actually that many articles reporting about it. Yeah. Do you think it's less offensive when an Asian person does blackfacing or do you think it's more like, like it's equally as offensive when a white person does it? I think, I mean, I think if you look at the, 
if you look at it on a big scale, I think it's equally as offensive. But I honestly think it hits it doesn't hit clo- as close to home when an Asian person does it because it wasn't the like scarred a, by an Asian yeah, person to done with. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Even if you look at the N word and the history behind the yeah, N word and slavery. Slavery, and yeah. All of that. Um even people who are non white, mm-hmm. like say the Spanish community, a lot of the Asian community within that, you know, the African American, they use the N word quite quite prominently and it's only until a white person uses the N word that like, ooh. Yeah. And I think it's more I think because as Asians, as people of colour we they haven't experienced racism. They experience what we call prejudice, and for them to come out and say there is such things race reverse reverse racism. Yes, there is true, but they don't understand the term. What happens in that mm. country many you know, years ago? You know what? Last in the last segment, we're talking about how we've all experienced racism, right? Mm. But I feel like if you're in China, you're living in Asia, you actually don't experience racism because you are the my, like the majority, majority yeah. right? You probably don't experience yeah. racism, so maybe that's why they're not culturally aware why it's offensive yep. because they never had to deal with racism because they, they are the majority, right? Absolutely. And if, for example, but I think that if a white person goes to their country, I think they can experience racism. Oh, yeah, for sure. A white person can definitely experience racism if they went to an Asian country. An Asian country. Yeah. I was thinking about this last time when I was like showering, actually. Can mm. a white person experience racism in their own home country? Yeah, okay. I've got a friend. Mm. I work with a friend who... So I've moved to Sydney for work um, and I work with a friend who moved from Townsville, Queensland. So she grew up with majority Mm. white people, like I think um, just lots of people in the army base really around where she um, grew up. Um, So she recently moved to Sydney and she was telling me last week actually that she feels like the minority in the city. Um, And Sydney and Melbourne are very similar in terms of demographic. Mm -hmm. So super multicultural um, people of all different types of races. So to me it was the same change when I moved up, but for her it was a big culture shock because she was experiencing all this type of culture and she she feels like – She's the minority right. in Australia. The thing is, there's a whole other argument saying white people would never be able to experience racism because Same way? they will, yeah, because they always have a privilege in society. You know, they're always going to get that paying that better paying job. They're probably most likely going to be more favorable when they apply for jobs and stuff like that. They always in society. Do you still think that's the case when? You're Australian born, but um, 100%. You, you still think there's so? Been, there's been research done where, you know, where people have applied for jobs, mm. right? And people with ethnic last names, they were less likely to get hired. Yeah, just, just based on sifting through yeah, yeah, resumes. Yeah. Yep. So it, they definitely have a privilege in our society still. And yeah, that's well, that's a whole other argument, whether or not they will ex- ever experience racism. I think they experience a bit maybe, like you said, mm. being a minority and being... Yeah, like I think that they experience what I, th- I think it comes down to prejudice. Mm. They can experience things, negative things culturally, but I don't think it's full blown racism because their parents and our parents did not go through the same thing. Correct. Yeah. And like I have white friends who go to China and they're a celebrity in yes. China. <laughs> like Chinese people stop them to take photos. True. I have chi- like friends who work here and Chinese tourists stop to take photos with them because they're tall and blonde and. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. Australian yeah, even, looking. You're right. Even if they move to an Asian country, they still have an advantage. Yeah, yes. they do. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Even um, my 
black friend. She went to China. Oh no, she went to Japan actually. Sorry, and people were calling her Riri, Riri. Oh my god, can we take for Riri? But I think turning it back onto Asian people, if you have a darker skin in in Asia, um, even if you're not black, even if you're Cambodian and you have dark skin, if you went to China, you you definitely are disadvantaged. It's like the whole um, thing in Malaysia, right? Um, the whiter you are, the yes. more yeah, the more yeah. privileged you are, and they all they all bathe themselves in milk and yeah. try to. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. Get that white skin. Papaya soap, <laughs> yes. And I think when it comes down to this situation in China and black facing, I think it is. I don't think there is a black and white thing. I think it comes down to your intention behind it, and whether or not you know, are you dressing up as a character or are you actually doing it to mock somebody else? And I think. We need to educate ourselves, regardless of what culture we do come from, because even though it doesn't hurt ourselves, it might hurt somebody else. Coming up next on the show, how do you deal with the pressure of having a partner before you turn thirty? And we have some exciting recommendations for you this week. But first, here's a word from today's sponsor. So. I am dating, yeah. As in, as in, not one specific person, but I'm oh. going on. Oh, dates. you've got five or six on on the go no. at the time. <laughs> no, as the I, am, I am dating in the sense that right. I'm. You're dating. I'm dating. Yeah, you're out there. I never believed the whole "I'm happy single" spiel. I was like, "This is spiel. Yeah. This is totally Isn't spiel." It's interesting the stuff that we take I in know. and have to unpack. It took me a long time, but I'm very. Happy. I call it being self-partnered. So the next segment, guys, is about Emma Watson, who's done an interview with British Vogue、um, over the weekend. So she's talked about how、um, she's 29 now, she's turning 30, and she's saying back when she was in her early 20s, she didn't understand why people talked about the pressure of you know, settling down by 30, having a kid, having a husband, stuff like that. But now that she's 29, she's turning 30 next year. She's talking about wow, the pressure is real. Like I actually feel the pressure of like settling down、mm. and having kids and stuff. And so she coined this term. Being self-partnered because I think by using the word self-partnered, she kind of relieved the stress, stress like the pressure of being single because she's a single woman now, and、mm. being a single woman in Hollywood and being a single woman in in general, definitely.、Yeah. And Mel, I think she'll be quite well rehearsed in this area. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mel, what are、wow. your opinions? You have a lot of opinions on this. <laughs> this is the one topic you were most excited to talk no, about. No, it's it's because、um, we have to give a bit of a history behind it. You know, Mel's a she's turning twenty five. Right? Is that right? I've just turned twenty-four. <laughs> so she's turning twenty-five <laughs> next year. Next year, and you know, she we living in the Asian society. You do get a lot of that pressure of you、oh, know. Let me tell you, <laughs> but again, I, a lot of this pressure I am putting on myself. Like I'm gonna, I'm not gonna sit here and say like people are pressuring me to. Get married and settle down. I mean, my mother's doing that, but、um, I wouldn't say society.、Um, but I think so much of society now is lived through social media.、Mm. You see people and, posting、oh, that they're settling down, getting they're married. They're settling down, and you know, a lot of girls my age I know are married.、Mm. Mm. I have a new friend giving birth every week on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, like they're having babies, or they've just bought their new home, or. They're doing something like they're ticking the milestone boxes off,、mm. and here I am, <laughs> very single, living、I've, a best I've life. I've just moved to Sydney because I felt like it. Like, 
I'm not hitting these milestones, right? Mm. So constantly I'm, you know, dating, I'm looking, you know, I'm trying to save yet trying to live my best life, Uh trying to do well in my career, trying to tick all these boxes because I feel like I'm 24, I've got six years left of my 20s and I need to tick all of these boxes. How, how much of a priority is getting married to you and having kids? Like, okay. how much is it a priority? Honestly, if I'm going to be completely honest, I don't even want kids. <laughs> and I love that we're growing away from the traditional norms now. But when I was growing up, and my mum's super traditional, it was still instilled in me that no matter how well I did, I was to be like the my objective in life is to be the best wife. Oh, right. Yep. I see that with my sister as well because my yeah. sister's a few years younger than me. Yeah. The only like the objective for me, right, that my parents give me is mm-hmm. you know become a successful businessman, get a great paying job, stuff like that, mm-hmm. and then yeah, settle down and find a wife, which is not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> but then for my sister, who's yeah. a few years younger than me, her only objective in life, according to my parents. It's to find a rich husband who's yeah. going to financially support her. Mm. Yeah, and I think, like, it was cool that mum pushed me to be my own person and, you know, to have my own income and career and to be able to fend for myself should anything happen to this future husband of mine. But that's backup plan. I have to find a husband mm. um, to look after me. And she still tells me, you need, you know, like you need to go find someone so they can look after you because, you know, my job looking after mm. you is done. Mm. Like, first of all, I don't need, I don't need <laughs> the looking after. <laughs> <You> don't. <laughs> but um, it, this just, yeah, this pressure. And I think I'm just in this constant battle between, you know, be single, be yourself, mm. just live your life and, you know, it'll happen for you when it happens you know, or if it happens. You know, you're, you're right about the pressure of setting down early, especially for women. You know, the average age for a woman to get married is actually 28. Yeah. Oh. Whereas for a guy, it's like 32, 33. Mm. So you can see the clear difference between yeah, yeah mm. how soon a man typically gets settled down compared mm. to women. So I can honestly where where the pressure is coming from. Yeah. And I think like uh, biologically, um, you know, to reproduce, ideally, you're going to have to have your offspring. The younger, the better, yep. medically. Yep. Um, so I think that's where the pressure comes from. And then when you approach 30, that's um, like ticking, geriatric. Ticking time bomb. If you're pregnant mm. after 30, isn't that deemed geriatric pregnancy? Yes, yep, yep. Yeah. So what's what's kind of like the latest age a woman can have kids? Well, have people have on the gotten eggs. pregnant at like 60. 40. That's yeah. True. But there's, it there's depends a, on when they go through menopause. Yeah. But it kind of drops us after a certain age, yeah, right? Yeah, and so the, that's why the there's risks pressure. increase. And um, even if you do successfully fall pregnant, mm. um, all these risks around the pregnancy and around the development of your child or baby. Um, so I think biologically that's where we get pushed yeah. to have babies so young. But I think just as society develops, is that still priority? Are we, do we still need to Mm. reproduce ASAP? Because I mean, there are so many kids that we can adopt Mm, and if I don't find a partner, I can do IVF or, you know, there are so Mm. many other options right now. I mean, I get, yeah, back to the societal pressures of finding a partner that it's just ridiculous. And I think a lot of it I put on myself, but I see it on social media so mm. often that, you know, people are... The amount of money that goes like, hello, like $60,000 to pay for a wedding for a dress you only wear once yeah. a year. Mm. That can go towards a, a home loan. <laughs> a home loan. The best holiday of your life. like Exactly. And you don't want to kind of spend that money on somebody else that you don't even know. Exactly. Like, you go up to them and say, hello, like, 
well, thanks for coming to my wedding. My that, auntie, like, yeah, and it'd be your auntie's like best friend's exactly. cousin. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know them. I agree. And for me, I guess it's like being a male, especially in Asian culture, there is a lot of pressure because you, I'm the only son. I'm also the only grandson that shares my last name. So there's a lot of that heritage behind my, my, my name as well. And I guess seeing my mum as a single mother, seeing my mum as a single mother, she has worked so hard to build what she's built and I'm so grateful for it. But I sort of see that sometimes the hardship of being single financial is a lot, there's a lot more burden to it than being in a partner as well. Yep. So when I jump into a relationship, I'm probably just diagnosing myself again, but... <laughs> <laughs> It's like, um, I probably I tie it as, I guess, financial security mm, yeah. that comes along with being in a relationship as well. Yeah. But if my partner gets into like debt, then I'm obviously going to But like when I look at you, Melissa, like you're living your best life. You're probably the opposite of what a traditional Asian girl would be doing. You know, you flew to Sydney, got a job, living your best life. You're not worried <laughs> about a mortgage. Like you don't worry about having like kids. Legit, like a rom-com. My <laughs> yeah, I imagine like you know those rom coms where the girls like like oh yeah the ordinary but I do get my future occasional call as Thomas I'm having a meltdown <laughs> yeah I'm human yeah. <laughs> well Tom what what age do you feel like you need to settle down by it depends it's, I guess it depends on my career like if my career hasn't up gone up and started and I'm not happy with my success I don't think I'm ready to settle down just so yet you, there's no deadline for you no. for Mel when do you feel like there's a you need to settle down, but at what age? I don't, I, again, I think my answer is the same as Thomas, where I don't feel like I have a fig, like a number in my head, but in saying that I have, I'm just constantly, if I'm going to be completely honest, like I seek being in a relationship because I feel like that is a next milestone mm. I need to think, uh, tick off. And it's, and it's interesting because the point I was trying to make was as a gay man living in Australia, it's fine if you sell if you sell down at 40 and have kids at 40, because when I look at the people I know who are 30, 35, 38, whatever, they're still doing, going to like Thailand to have gay parties and stuff like that. <laughs> so like the pressure that you go through compared to my experiences and Tom's experience is completely different. Tom comes from a, a traditional, like I guess like Asian perspective. Yep. And me as a modern gay man in Australia, there's, the pressure to me from us settling down is not as much as your, like your it's because Melissa has like a finite amount of eggs you know <laughs> if all the I eggs do. are gone but the thing is <laughs> like, the you mentioned before there's so many options that you can have IVF yes. and that should be relieving the pressure for you to settle yeah. down but I think it's like you know you don't want to be the as much as you know you want to be unique and you want to be your own person like it's just constantly in the back of my head and I don't know if that's because I was raised to think that at the end of the day I'm to be the best housewife. I know mm. it's fucked. Mm. Yeah. But I think for me personally, it's this constant battle between wanting to keep tradition, wanting to please my mother because, you know, no one, like everyone wants to please their mum mm. in some way. Mm. And for her, it's so important that I do get married, be the best housewife I can be. So it's in the back of my head, like that. that's next on mm. my list. So what do you think you're going to do in if you're in Emma Watch's shoes? You're just going to still continue to live your best life or? Yeah, absolutely. Go, like, go Emma Watson. Mm, she, yeah. like, she is so successful in what she does. She is such a role model. But I don't think there's anything worse than being in a relationship just because you feel like you have to be in one rather than wanting to be in one because you're in love with the person and they're your life partner. Amen, sister. 
Snap. Snap, snap. Recommendation time. Hey. <laughs> so, <laughs> welcome to. Recommendation time, which is one of my favorite segments that we do in the show. So, what's everyone's recommendation? What are you guys watching or listening to this week? Well, not what I'm listening or watching, but I actually have this new hobby of mine that I'm actually doing. It's called DIY Houses. Mm. So, a lot of you friends who actually ask me, what can I do with my spare time, Tom? What I would recommend, it costs about 40 to 50 bucks for this puzzle set. This puzzle set is actually designed, I think, by a Japanese company. You can make houses, you can make pools, you can make cafes. It's like advanced origami. It's like advanced origami. But with this origami set... Um, it pretty much gives you all the tools that you do need, but it takes hours. I'm probably like 30 hours into making this DIY set. So I'm making a cafe. It's called Goldilocks, by the way. <laughs> Original. Where did you come up with that one? I'm going to sue you for copyright. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, they give you so many pieces that you can make a mini piano, like a little mini tool set. And by the end of it, you have like a little small miniature cafe. Can I just say, like, I've done this with Tom. And I have like the fattest thumbs. <laughs> so whenever I try to glue something together, I end up gluing my thumbs together. You do. <laughs> and every time when he does this with me, it's like I have to take the piece away from him and just refix everything because he doesn't. I oh, don't... so it's taking you sixty hours to do it with uh, Philip? With Philip, probably yeah. like thirty hours by myself. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if anybody's looking for a hobby, I recommend doing it. It's really therapeutic. Mm. It's very. I don't know. Like when you're just making something, you're sitting there and listening. Is it to music. the new like color by number? Yes. Oh my yep. gosh, it is. <laughs> so, what would you recommend, Mel? Okay, so this week I watched a new documentary on Netflix. Um, called Game Changers, if oh, either of you wait, have seen it, it. I think it sounds familiar. It's been quite popular at the moment. It's about it's a vegan documentary, um, but unlike the other vegan documentaries, how they're like, this is how they kill the cows and this is how you're killing the environment if you're <laughs> eating meat. This one was about how much it would improve your – like. so it was um, elite athletes, so Olympians. Um, like the health – did it tell you like the health benefits of being the vegan? The health benefits of okay. being vegan. So like Lewis Hamilton, the car racer, or Morgan Mitchell, the racer, like the mm. runner, um, they were all – they're all plant-based athletes um, who were shown on this documentary and it was how they improved – their athleticism, athleticism, um, through veganism. through changing their diet and how much it has helped them increase their um, performance. performance and how much how better much better they feel and um, all the health benefits. So it was a positive spin wow. on being v- okay. vegan rather than how you shouldn't eat meat because of all the bad, bad stuff. Things, yep. Yep. So I think it took a different approach. it took a different wow. approach. Did, and it, did it tell you like the other side of the story, like why how Doing being vegan, do, but doing the wrong way can affect your health. Did it tell you that side of the story, or was it just like? No, no, it was a pro-vegan. pro-vegan. It was a pro-vegan <laughs> okay. documentary, but it was. I think I enjoyed it because I've seen, um, you know, those documentaries. I don't remember the names off the top of my head, mm, but the, the ones, one. yeah, the yeah. ones where you know they're showing you the chickens and <laughs> the pigs. Yeah, the the really like yeah. the ones that try to put you off. Whereas this one was a positive, like right. you should like do this because of think about how much better you can be. And either way, I think I'm now more conscious about my meat consumption mm, and how much I want to move towards a more sustainable lifestyle. Yes, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was really oh, good. I watched mm. Okja a long time ago. Okja is like a Korean movie in, on Netflix, mm. but it's about the, the giant pig. The pig, yeah. Um, and then at the end, the pig is like, 
Okja is like at a factory where they get the pigs get killed and stuff. Yeah, it's like a really special pig, and the pig is like the size of a house. Yeah, and I don't know. They just it made, it was, made me so sad. Actually, like like made me more conscious of meat after. Oh, that. really? Yeah. I, I think that vid- I think the video you're talking about is what's inside your fridge. I think that's the one where they show you all the bad stuff about the chicken mm. and the pig. But after I watched, I actually went vegan for about two weeks, mm. and I got really sick. I'm not sure. Maybe I didn't do veganism correctly. Yeah. Watching. This one, um, it was more, these are the food groups that you should try and consume more of. So it was more educational, educational yes, in that yes, sense. Yes. It was kind of so, saying like you can eat meat, but maybe consider having more plant-based food. Oh, no. Yeah, or more so make sure that you're getting your source of, sources of food protein groups, uh, yep, and your yep. vitamins and all that from these sorts of food groups um, rather than cut the out, meat yep. out and just replace it with tofu. Yes, yeah. I think that's probably where I went wrong and that's why I got really sick. Yeah. Mm. What well, about you, Phil? I would recommend. I've been watching something on Netflix, um, Queer Eye. Mm. So they they filmed a series where they were in Japan, and what I really love about this is that um, the whole new Queer Eye guys, the Fab Five, are they considered Queer Eye still? They yeah, are, right? yeah, the yeah, still yeah. Called Queer Eye, like yeah. another, just like a different franchise. Yeah, yeah. So the Fab Five, they normally go to places where people aren't really open to being gay and mm. like yeah stuff like that. So in the first series in America, they went to like a really conservative state to prove to show people that being gay yes. is fine yep. so now they've done the same thing they went to Japan and Japan people may be surprised but Japan is a very not homophobic but they're not very open to sexuality no they're just a lot more traditional very traditional so yeah. they've been going I've only seen like a couple of episodes mm. but I've been loving every single episode Yeah. but yeah they, it's just such a wholesome um, show where they show like gay people can like yeah, just like be really helpful. Mm, I, I was I watch I was watching with I was watching with Phil, and I normally don't watch these type of shows because I'm like eh whatever it's just a makeover show. But the tradition behind it, the way they tackle because there's another presenter Kiko, she's a very famous Japanese famous model. Japanese model, and the way that they embraced her culture and they tied it with renovating and their makeovers, you know that Anne Hathaway scene. It just made it so authentic mm. and something so special. But I do have an issue with that show, actually. What's the issue? It's just the way that they go about... Yes, it's nice to kind of up your appearance, but they're taking people who, for example, in one of the first episodes, there was a lady who pretty much removed her whole... like donated her whole house because she's a nurse to taking care of people in her neighbourhood for free. And she doesn't even have a bed to stay. So they pretty much, you know, came into her house, which is actually very lovely, and they told her that... You know, you need to look a certain way. You need to wear a little bit of lippy, take care of more of your outer appearance. Something just rubs off about me because she's giving herself so selfless to people. And these guys are coming in and telling her, hang on, you need to take care of yourself first. Place importance in your appearance. Place importance in how you look like. Being more materialistic. Much more materialistic. And yes, it's nice. I can see their intentions behind it, but it just rubbed rub me in a little bit of the wrong way as well. I think it's not about being materialistic. They're just saying, you know, you can... The act of dressing up and like taking care of your appearance, you're putting yourself first and you're, you know, I think that's the message they're all trying to give, not be materialistic. Mm. You know, by taking time to cut your hair and like taking care of yourself, because she's a lady who only takes care of other people, right? Mm. So for her to take care, of other, uh, take care of herself by dressing up nicely, that was, I think that was the message behind it. It wasn't mm. the message and the way that they so made her feel. It was, do you think it was delivered the wrong way? I think it was delivered. I think, I, you're, I, I, I think, think you're thinking too much into it. I don't oh, think there's okay. any other way to deliver it, but I feel that the there are other more important more important things she, she can worry. About. Yeah, because okay. she's being selfless, mm. and probably you know if she is doing this, you know, give her another house, get people to help her employ other people to do the exact same thing, but don't tell her to change her mindset and put 
wearing orange by putting a red lippy on. You know what I mean? Yes, it may make you feel better in that sense. And even oh, don't even get me started that they built like a little bit of a, a cemetery area for her dead sister. And even though they said to her, you know, when you're feeling a little bit lonely, come out here. You can talk to her. I'm like, oh, but me coming from a very religious background, that is bad because <laughs> <laughs> you can summon something. <laughs> Well, I just think it's a light it's, it is a, it's, it's very a, wholesome. So. It is a very wholesome show. I, oh, I do enjoy watching didn't. it. <laughs> okay. It just didn't... Look, Thomas takes the joy out of, out of everything. So. <laughs> <laughs> so don't watch ever watch anything with him. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's all we have time for, guys. Thanks it for is. having me, guys. Thanks, Thanks for, for coming us. all the way from Sydney. Just to be on the show. Just to be on the oh, show. So, no worries. <laughs> <laughs> so if you guys want to hit up Melissa in her DM, she's... Let me auction her because you know how there's subtle Asian dating. <laughs> oh, yeah. 24, beautiful, <laughs> has a... Independent. Independent. Oh. An amazing income. Um, she is independent. She's strong. She loves outdoors. She goes hiking, rock climbing. If you guys want to hit up in her DMs, what is it? It's at Melissa Hua, H-U-A. <laughs> <laughs> and if you guys enjoyed this today's episode, make sure you go back and check our latest interview with Sarah Rav, who talks about her battle with anorexia nervosa. As always, head over to our Instagram and follow us, and make sure you subscribe and leave us a review on Acast, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. we we'll see you back on Tuesdays and Thursdays next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.